Welcome back to American Podligans, pod for U.S. soccer fans by a couple of U.S. soccer fans. We are back for a special connection episode as we count down to the final round of World Cup qualifying coming up later in March. I am Nate. He's Joe. We know you've missed us, so we figured we'd give you an extra episode. We're going to talk about a couple of major events transpiring recently in the U.S. men's national team world. We get a lot to talk about. Joe, what's your category? Well, I'm going to pick the elephant in the room and uh, the thing everybody wants to talk about, Mr. McKinney and uh, eight to 12 weeks of his foot. So we'll start there. So we are recording on March 2nd and I posed this episode to you about a week ago. And it had to have been within like 24 hours of the, of saying, Hey, let's do an episode that the news broke. The McKinney was out eight to 12 weeks. Yeah. The good old Twitter world of social media, uh, had pictures of McKinney and Pulisic both down at the same time. And, uh, men's national team, uh, Twitter world was up in arms. Um, thankfully, I guess, thankfully we only lost one. Um, Pulisic or Reina? Hmm? Pulisic or Reina? Pulisic, Pulisic and McKinney were both down on the ground at the same time. Oh, during the, like, during, during the game. Respective, okay. During their respective games, they were I playing at the that. same time, and they were down at the same time. So people took pictures on their TVs of both of them laying on the ground. So. Of course they sucks. did. Yeah, of course it did. Uh, sucks for McKinney. Um, thankfully, we still have Pulisic, who's in great form right now. But, uh, yeah, we can talk about McKinney a little bit here and impacts. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you've got to just be gutted for him because of all the, of all the squad, probably the most informed player in the last couple of months. And to have him gone for, you know, three just crucial matches, especially with the way he showed uh, in the last set of qualifiers, I just think, you know, got to be gutted for him. But I also think that it's an opportunity for somebody out there to prove that they they deserve a spot, which was originally going to be what we we're going to talk about is if we qualify for the World Cup, who should be on the roster? Now, all of a sudden, we got to talk about who helps us to get to qualifying. But Yeah, um, I think... It's one of those, who's going to step up? Who's going to be the man? Uh, the thing that worries me about McKinney, though, is he's our enforcer, and he's in form, and he's a goal scorer, and he goes 90 minutes, and he just he is a jack of all trades for us right now. And uh, I don't think we have one person that can step in. Well, I think obviously we don't have one person that can step in. So I think we're going to need a, a couple different people to step up and uh, find form and 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 get a couple of uh, a couple people to match one. Uh, have, you, have you ever seen the money movie Moneyball? Um, there's a scene in the movie where they're not trying to find another G- Jason Giambi. They're trying to find three people to equal Jason Giambi. Well, I think that's going to be the case with the U.S. Men's National Team. Is we're going to need to find three people here to kind of fill that void of McKinney. I think we have it. I think I think. We're going to talk a little later here. I think we have those three players, um, but they're going to need to show up and be ready to go. Yeah, I definitely don't think there's a like for like uh, 
sub available anywhere in the the pool, obviously. And when you lose a guy who's, you know, if he's healthy, he's guaranteed starting 11, that makes a big difference. And I, I like what you said that, you know, there are guys that can do some of the things that he does. The interesting thing will be to see if all of those guys get call-ups and then who gets the nod in which of the three matches to try and maximize player output. Because I don't think that they've got one guy who's going to step in and be able to play 90 minutes in three games. And to be honest, I don't think that's the the best strategy for them is to try and play the same lineup three times over against those three teams. I just think that all three of those matchups are going to be absolute wars. And, you know, we'll get to previewing those a little bit closer once we know what the roster is. But I think if you're Burhalter making the decision about the roster, you got to think twice, maybe three times about who you bring in because you've got to make sure you've got some extra depth in the midfield because it's just, it's been so crucial for us. The next person you have up is Gio Reyna. He, he tweaked something in the game that he came back, which is worrisome. The thing that worries me with Gio, though, is he's not 100% out. He's still possibly going to be rostered for this next uh, group of qualifiers. The thing that worries me, though, is if we roster him, will he get hurt again? Um, will, will he come back too soon? Also, he's going to be out of form. I know he's a great player, but what are we going to get out of him? Is he going to be a super sub with 20 minutes to go? I could see that. Um, I think he's... Uh, I think he's going to be a very um, selective pick if he gets rostered um, for for a particular reason. I don't see him playing all three games, if not just one game, if he gets rostered, depending on the severity of this injury, which you know I don't think we take many chances with. Once again, I think we have a couple of people that can step in in his 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 shoes. We haven't had him for what, at least one qualifying cycle here, so um, I think we have a couple that can fill in for him as well. Oh, we haven't had him since the opener. We haven't had him since September. That's when, he, that's, when yeah. he got, that's when he got hurt originally. Was he tweaked it in that first round of matches? I can't remember if it was exactly the very first game, but we certainly yeah. haven't had him since the first round of qualifiers. Yeah, I mean, I think that if he gets brought in, he's going to be a super sub kind of thing. I I think that, you know, maybe he gets time between now and when training starts. But I also think that they've, It'll be, I don't know off the top of my head what the number for their rosters is going to be, but they've been calling like 26 guys in. So if you have an, like more than 23 spots, bring them in, see how he is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I think we, I think we roster 26, think, 27 guys. I don't know right. what the max is, but I think right. we need to roster more. Right. Yeah, I would Better agree. Than sorry. I would agree. And I think you want to give yourself options who's in form, who's connecting in that midfield. I would agree. Between Pulisic, Wea, and Aronson, you've got three in-form wings. But I do think that Gio Reyna brings something to the table that you want to have at your disposal. Uh, namely, set-piece situations. I know Kellen Acosta, but, but Reyna gives you that little something extra. He's got that extra level of skill uh, that, you know, if he can, if he can give you 20... I'd say it's worth it on the roster if you can bring him in as a sub for a way or an Aronson or Pulisic even, then you go that route. I just think that that he's too valuable and he's too skilled to not be there if he's healthy. And if he's not there, then clearly it's because he's not healthy. 
and I've thrown him on because, you know, when he originally got hurt, he was, you know, pretty emotional. It's like, okay, here we go again. Is he going to be out for a long time? Obviously, uh, in the last couple of days, it's come out that, you know, he's, you know, maybe not as seriously injured as originally thought. So let's just hope that's, that's the case and we can see him in this next roster. So our next topic is going to be out of form men's national team players that are in form with their club. These are guys that have been left on the outside the last couple rounds of qualifiers, uh, but have had some success with their club teams. Let's talk about our boy to begin with, John Brooks, who also news broke today. I don't know if you saw this. He is not going to return to Wolfsburg at the end of his contract this summer. He will be a free agent. He is not going to resign. So I've got a question for you about that. But first off, your thoughts on uh, our boy Brooksy? Yeah, he's one of the three that I think remakes McKinney. I, I like our back line. I do like our back line. It's been it's been tight. It's been good um, in, in form with the qualifiers. But I want to see Brooks back there as the enforcer, especially in Mexico. At home against Panama, I'll be fine too. And if we need it in Costa Rica, I just – he's that big man back there that's going to smack you around a little bit. He's going to put some hurt on you. He's going to put you to the ground. Um, so I think he makes up that – that, that, that one of the three factors that I would like to see made up for McKinney in the, the toughness category is, is Brooks for me. And he's playing fine. He's playing good. Uh, I don't know what happened with the falling out, but those two goals he gave up early in qualifying, I guess, rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, I saw him a little differently, but let's get him back and let's get him going. Yeah, I agree. I think he's got to be in the group this time around, especially with McKinney out. You know, we saw that Tyler Adams, uh, for the first time, all all qualifying, you know, missed some time. Um, I think came out of the game against Canada, if I remember correctly, and then for sure sat against Honduras, uh, kind of with some muscle stuff. So, I think that you really want to make sure that that center back pairing is experienced, and especially if Chris Richards, who we didn't mention the injuries but who I have not seen listed in the 18 for Hoffenheim and the little bit of research that I did. So he may be out as well. He picked up an ankle injury in that Canada match looked pretty nasty. Uh, apparently wasn't broken, but um, you know, certainly a bad sprain. So he may, he may be a, a question mark, but I think that you've got to go with some experience, especially if you're missing Richards Brooks has to be there. You you just can't go into this last three saying, oh, yeah, we're going to ride Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson, and our backup is going to be Mark McKenzie. No offense to Mark McKenzie, but you got to have you got to have Brooks back there. And I think that especially going into Mexico, he sets that tone. I'd love to see him and Zimmerman pair against Mexico uh, and really hope that he gets you know, brought back in because he's had a solid season for Wolfsburg. I just don't understand, um, you know, whether it's politics or what, but for me, he's got to be there. Next guy up, uh, Joe Scally left back for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Again, has had a solid season with them, has been in their starting 11 pretty frequently, has not gotten the bites 
with the national team was called in a couple of windows ago. What do you think of his chances, Joe? Do you want to see him called in for these last couple of windows? I don't know if this is the time for him. I know he's playing well, but like I said before, the, the back line has been playing well as uh, in general for us. So I don't know if we want to mess with that. Fresh legs in form. He's not as important as I think Brooks is and somebody else I'm going to mention here in a few minutes is um, if he was put on the roster, I'd be upset. Absolutely not. Do I think it's necessary for him to be on the roster? Not necessarily. So, Yeah, I think that at some point the discussion has to be who is the best option as a backup to Jedi Robinson as left back. He has obviously penned himself into the left back starting position. The only reason he shouldn't start at left back is through injury or yellow card suspension, whatever. He needs to be in there every match. The question then becomes, is Serginio Dest your backup left back? Or do you want a true left back to be your backup left back? With the follow-up question of, if Dest isn't starting at right back, then who is? And there's been some guys that have done a decent job. DeAndre Yedlin came in. He's obviously experienced. Reggie Cannon came in against Honduras, did a decent job. I just think you've got a guy who's a natural left back. Get him the rot, you know, get him in, get him as many camps as, as you can because he's playing, you know, top flight soccer in Europe and he's doing it well. Um, those are the guys that we got to look for. And those are the guys that we have to get chemistry in case. Do I think he should be starting or getting a look in this next window? Not unless something goes haywire or Robinson picks up a, a suspension or, an, or a knock, but I think you want him there. Two more guys that are in form with their club, but out of form have not been called into the national team in a little bit. Josh Sargent with Norwich, uh, Jordan Pifok with Young Boys. Pifok scored a couple of goals uh, in the Champions League cycle. Josh Sargent had that famous brace right before the last qualifying section. It's been a number of games now since the U.S. has seen a goal or seen any real contributions from their number nine. Do these guys deserve call-ups for this last round of qualifiers? <laughs> um, I, every time I think of this or I, I, I look at this, I think of Alexi Lawless on Twitter right now because people are asking him who the number nine should be. And his response pretty much every time is if they live in the United States, they know how to kick a soccer ball, and it can go in the back of the nets, we got to give them a look because we need a definitive number nine. However, I think we need to stay with who's hot. We went with Pepe when he was hot earlier in the cycle. He came in, scored a couple goals. He's not doing much now. He's not that hot. Okay? P-Folk is hot right now. All right? He has to be the guy that we go to. He's scoring goals in Champions League play. We got to give him a look. We have to, like like I said before in an earlier podcast, you know, if a guy's got a hot hand from behind the arc and he's drilling threes, feed him the ball. Feed him the ball. We don't have anybody else right now that I trust to be a top number nine 
unless you put Pulisic in as a false nine, I, which I hate. I can't stand watching that. So I think I think P. Folk's a guy. I've never been. I'm sorry. I'm still Sergeant. Sergeant scored a cool brace, little flick on thing that hit the crossbar and happened to barely bounce in the goal. Just not a fan yet. He's got to keep de- developing. So P. Fox, the hot hand, go P. Fox. Yeah, and I think the thing that comes up with PFOC for me is that if you're looking at a Mexico match away, a Costa Rica match away, you're going to have to absorb pressure. You're going to have to be able to get have a guy who can hold the ball up and buy you some time and buy you some space. And PFOC is the guy of any of the guys who I think can do that. Zardis has proven that you know he's lost a step. He's he's not going to be that hold up guy for you. Um, you know certainly. Pepe and Ferreira um, haven't shown that that's you know their thing as well. Ferreira seem to be playing more as a false nine. I just think they need somebody who can go win some physical battles, um, especially away. P Fox got to be in the roster, you know. And again, do you want to do you want to subject Pulisic to the abuse that he's going to take as a nine in some of these matches? Right, he's going to get. He's going to have the opportunities, but you know he's also that's a lot of work to be asking, um, given the def- the type of defending that we're probably going to have to do in some of these upcoming cases. So, moving on, next topic: uh, Who do you think is most critical for the United States in the next qualifying window? If we're talking players. I think it could be a wide range of players. I don't. It's so hard to pinpoint one. I think there's there's going to be five or six guys that are going to have to be big, um, starting with Polistic, going with Aronson, Wea, Musa, couple uh, Adams, obviously. I mean, they all have to play very large. However, most critical for the U.S. is three G, Mister Burhalter needs to be on point these three games. No overanalyzing, no overthinking, no overhyping. Let's go in. These are business trips. We cannot, we cannot miss the World Cup again. I cannot state how massive these three games are. I'm nervous, and it's three weeks away. If we miss the World Cup again, we don't have World Cup qualifiers in four years. We host it. But we won't see an important, well, other than Gold Cup and stuff like that, maybe Copa America, we won't have another cycle like this for another eight years. If we want to keep momentum and we want people to listen to these podcasts and we want people to keep talking about U.S. soccer and building U.S. soccer, these are massive games. He needs to be ready. Enough with the behind-the-back passes. Get it in. Take your time. Do what you need to do. You're not the showman here. Do your job as coach. Put the lineup on the field. Have them ready to go. Critical. I fully agree. I think the the roster decisions and then the lineup decisions and how much he's trying to accomplish, let these guys go play. His motto seems to be in big games, I'm going to overmanage players. I'm going to try and get them to do exactly. like Just let them go play. The Honduras game was the most free-flowing that we seemed to be, and that was a game that was critical, but also seemed to be the least amount of pressure because it was negative 20. 
for whatever good that does us, right? But yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, Berhalter and the and the coaching decisions are key, and we absolutely, you know, qualifying is not a player, but qualifying has to happen. I think for me, Musa is the key, and I'd actually like to see him slide for McKenney as the eight. And I'd like to see him deploy Pulisic as the 10 so that you can get Pulisic, Aronson, and Weah on the field all at the same time. I think if you've got a P-Folk who can hold the ball up, um, but I think that that gives Pulisic the freedom. I think Musa can do a lot of that dirty work helping out of the back, and I think it it frees up quite a bit for us. I think it allows um, for, you know, Robinson and Des to get forward and attack. I just think that 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 could be the lineup that we've been looking for, and I've been waiting to kind of see them deploy Pulisic as a, as a more central player. And I think given that he's been at Chelsea moving around, playing different areas, playing that sort of false nine, I think that that has prepared him for this opportunity. I also think it throws a wrinkle in for you know, if they do it down in Azteca, if they do it against Panama, um, you know, if there's a game where, you know, where they do that for the first time, I think that that plays some benefit. So anyway, I think Moose is the key. I think he's the clear favorite to slot in for McKenney, at least for a couple of the matches. Uh, but then I would say Pulisic, Pulisic has to rise. Um, if he's not, if he's not showing confidence, if he's not leading um, we're going to have a, a long cycle. It's going to be a grind. All right, so as we move to this last World Cup qualifying round, we're a couple of weeks away from rosters. Who do you think has to be on this coming up roster? Besides guys that are already penned in, you know, Musa, Adams, Robinson, etc. Who are the guys that you think absolutely must be called in in order to make a difference for the U.S. this next window? We talked about both of them. We talked about both of them pretty heavily. I think Brooks is a must, and I think P-Folk is a must. Yeah, I think for me, it's Luca De La Torre. I think he provides cover for the midfield. He's clearly the fourth most technically sound uh, midfielder besides uh, Adams, McKenney, and Musa. I think he slots in well as either an 8 or a 10, um, depending on what you want to play in terms of formation. I think he's got to be there. Uh, and then I would agree that, that P-Folk's got to be there. Uh, I I just don't... You, you have to call somebody in who's got a hot hand. And, and he plays so well into the style that Burhalter has tried to play. I just don't understand why he hasn't gotten more looks because he's a younger, faster, stronger... A more economical version of Jossie's artist. Did I say he was taller? Did I say he was bigger? I know I said he was probably faster, younger. Anyway, big window to make it make. It's it's a big window, and that's what Burhalter doesn't seem to like to make splashy moves. It's that P folk might be a splashy move still to him, where the rest of us think it's got to be the move. It might be splashy for him, bringing up somebody fairly new to the roster for three massive games. I could see him going with the old, the old guard. It worries me, but people has to be there at least as an option. 
And the thing that's so frustrating about that is that he's done well for his club and he did well at the Gold Cup last summer. Like he scored at least one in the knockout stages. Like he's shown that he has a penchant for scoring goals. Get him in, get him on the field. Let's just get him on the field, please. If Zach Steffen and Matt Turner are still nursing injuries, who becomes the number three? I think Sean Johnson would be the number three. He's playing right now, probably in decent form. I haven't played that, paid that close attention, but he has experience for the national team. I don't know how much Horvath has. Was Horvath the goalie in the Gold Cup? Yes. So he also made the penalty well. save in the. Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, that was a terrible like penalty. No, uh, it wasn't. No, He's it was. It was an extra time. It was the penalty save in extra time. Correct. Yes. Yep. That was a terrible penalty take, by the way. But still made the save. Great call by the announcers, by the way, on that. Um, yeah. Um, I think it's Johnson, but I'd probably be okay with either one, honestly. Let's just hope Stefan or, or Turner are available for just just to be safe with these games. But if we had to, I'd, I'd probably be most comfortable with Sean Johnson. Yeah, I think Sean Johnson, you know, he's going to have some extra matches that are are important matches with NYCFC being in uh, CONCAF Nations League. So I, I think he's got to be the one with the nod. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think that's a toss-up. I wouldn't be upset if Horv- Horvath got the start. You know, I think the, the thing is, you know, both these guys being in MLS – their seasons are just starting, and now all of a sudden you're going to Azteca to play a super meaningful match. If NYCFC or Columbus have anything close to that between now and then, I don't think Columbus won't, but NYCFC might. You know, where there's going to be some atmosphere, then you got you to go with them. All right, Lobsterdamus, predictions? Mm-hmm. What do you got? Man, I'm going to save the the real specific ones for the next episode. I'll tease you with this. Prediction is we will make the World Cup, but things will be a little spicy getting there, I think. I think some things are going to happen that we don't even see coming right now. It's going to be a crazy three games for everybody, I think. Nothing's cut and dry. Maybe we go down to Mexico and win one nothing but then somebody else wins that makes it interesting. If we lose to Panama and Costa Rica, you understand what I'm saying? Like there's something, I smell something funny, but we're going to make it. We're going to make it. We got to make it. We're going to make it. I think the interesting part is, so, you know, we obviously played our last match in 2018 against Trinidad Tobago, who was already eliminated. I want to see a team from the bottom rise up and get a result against one of these top four teams and just that's what I'm throw chaos. That's I'm smelling what, that's something I want. funny. I that's also I also think here's my Zelstradamus. Oh, that's not new. that's not a thing. My Zelino. No, this is new. No, Zelstradamus. I like it. That's Zelstradamus. New. Okay. Zelstradamus says Var will in some way, shape, or form benefit the U.S. in the three games. Not all three games, but like sometime in the window, 
VAR, like we're going to see VAR pop a... Oh. VAR is going to rear his ugly head one way or the other. It's, it's going to rear its head one way or another. I sure just hope that we don't get hosed. But Zelstradamus said Zelstra- we're going to benefit. Zelstradamus says the U.S. will benefit from VAR. And Lopestradamus says we're making the World Cup. So, boom. You've got it here. Well, there it is. Friends, thank you again for joining us for another episode of American Pavligans. World Cup qualifying begins March 24th. We'll be back very soon, very soon, with a preview episode once rosters have been released. Get you all pumped up for that last round. We'll preview all three of those matches. We'll talk about who we think might rise from the ashes to become the phoenix of Trinidad and Tobago 2018. Too soon. Resurrected in 2022. Way too soon. And deal a smiting blow to some massive nation's World Cup qualifying hopes. Oh, I'd love to see Jamaica do it. He's Joe. I'm Nate. Together, we are the American Podligans. You can follow us on Twitter at USA Podligans. We'll catch you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Thanks for listening.